This morning, we're continuing in the book of Matthew through one of the most difficult chapters, but we're going to make it. And this morning, I've asked my nephew to come on up. Josiah, if you'll come read our passage this morning. Thank you. All right, we're in Matthew 20, verse 32 through 41 this morning. It says, From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at every gate. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that the day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that today we can dive into your word and um, understand your intended meaning behind it. I pray that we can trust in your sovereign plan and that we can um, just take what we learned today and um, live in peace, that you are sovereign and that you have a plan for us. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Josiah. So we've been going through Jesus' answer to the disciples' question. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew came up to him privately on the Mount of Olives and asked... When is the return of the Son of Man? When, when, or, or, or what's the sign of your coming and the end of the age, right? And also when? When is it all going to happen? Boy, wouldn't we like to know? But Jesus has been answering the question. And, and he, begins, he began with giving them some of the signs that are going to lead up to the end, but not the end yet, right? Um, wars, rumors of wars, false prophets... Um, it's going to be love growing cold. The gospel is going to go out to the whole world. But then the end, right? And, and then he, he pointed to the, the very clear and obvious sign, especially for the Jews, that they would know the end is here, and that was the abomination of desolation. And then he said, okay, after that great tribulation that's going to come with that, after that, then you're going to see some, some more big, obvious signs uh, with the return of Christ. And he, and he pointed out, here's the science. All in the heavens, stars falling, the sun, the moon getting dark. Uh, it's it's going to be obvious when Christ comes in glory, and it's all of the signs of coming in wrath and vengeance. So he answered, the signs of the coming of the end, the signs of the coming of the Son of Man. And also, when the Son of Man would come with respect to those end times, But he still hasn't answered yet when all of this is going to happen, right? And now he's going to address that question. 
So he says in verse 32, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. Jesus loved to point at things that were around them as an example. Learn the lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. They knew that. They've been around fig trees their whole life. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. In Greek, that could be translated, he is near, it is near. I don't think that matters, actually. We're talking about his coming and the end of the age. That's either a he or an it. It's all, he's, this, when is all of this happening, right? I think he is probably a better translation there. He is near at the very gates. When you see all these things, what all these things? Um, that's one of the questions here. And then he says, um, you see all these things, you know, he's very, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Another all these things. All the things are what he's been talking about leading up to, right? Things leading up to the end. When you see all of these things, what have been all of the things that he's given us of events leading up to the end of the age? Wars, rumors of wars. We've seen that. We've seen world wars, right? Um, false prophets, false messiahs. We've seen that as well. Famine, earthquakes, tribulation for the saints, persecution. We've seen all of that. One thing perhaps we haven't seen yet is that the gospel is going to go out to the whole world. Though it's kind of hard to know. Is that going to be something we see clearly or not? I think I might be a little hot on this. Pull back a little on that. Um, then he says, this generation, let me get back to it, 33. Lost my place. There we go. Truly I say to you, this generation, 34, will not pass away until all these things take place. Now, people will look at this and say, aha, see, the Bible's not true. Uh, that generation with the disciples, all these things didn't happen. Well, it's not the, gener he's not the generation he's talking to. It's the generation he's talking about, the generation that's going to see all these things. And then he's saying, when that generation that sees all these things, that generation will not pass away until all these things. What are all those things? Well, all the things that he talked about happen once all of those things leading up, all the things of the end, right? Uh, we have a real clear transition uh, in the text. Uh, if I go back to verse 14, As he's ending the list and description of things leading up to the end, he says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And then, then and he starts right in. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, 
standing in the holy place, and he, he gets into the things that are the things of the end. So what is the lesson of victory? Be aware. You should be able to see these things. Wars, rumors of wars. You're recognizing there's a season coming up here. And what he's saying is that generation that sees all of them, which the only thing I can think of left is to see the gospel go to the whole world. And I don't know if we'll see that clearly or if that's just, I mean, God's the one to judge that. He's the one to know. Maybe that, there is going to be some event where we'll just know, hey, the gospel has gone to the end of the world. Well, then that generation is going to see all these things, which is about a seven-year space of things, happen somewhere within that generation, right? Then in verse 35, he says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. That's an interesting thing to place right there. We're so, we're so sure about the future in so many different respects. What tomorrow is going to bring. We see stuff in the news and we're sure about what that's going to lead to. We see stuff in politics, and we're sure what that's going to lead to. And some things that are really concerning. And there's a bill in Israel. I don't know if you follow that at all. A bill to ban sharing Christ. You, go to you would go to jail for a year if that bill goes through. If you try to share Christ with, with anyone in Israel, you go to jail for a year, right? And we think, well, what's that going to lead to? And we get so sure about what's happening Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. As we're getting through all of these end times things and we're going, trying to understand what's happening around us in the world right now, what's going to happen next year, what's going to happen locally, globally, here's the first point. If you've got the notes, um, we've got some fill-ins there. The only sure thing is God's word. Heaven and earth will pass away. Everything that, that I've established in my life to say this is what's sure. I've got a savings account. I've got a house. I've got whatever it is. Here's the things that I have security in. None of it is secure. Ultimately, the only thing secure is God's word. What God says will happen is going to happen. Even the book that these words are written in, this is not going to be lasting. But God's word is lasting. And as we read about these things that Jesus is describing will happen, we can be very sure this will happen. I don't have to question it. Maybe my understanding of it, but his word is sure. All right, verse 36. It says, but concerning that day, he knows what's in their question. He knows what they really want to know. When is all this going to happen, right? But concerning that day and hour, which day and hour? When all these things are going to happen, right? It's, 
It's, it's right there in context. And, and it's not just looking at one little part of it. Now we're looking at the whole picture of this end event, the end of the age, this seven-year thing, the, all these things that are going to happen, uh, that the generation that sees all the things leading up to it is going to witness, right? When is that day and the hour? <laughs> Sorry, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. This is actually really important. And here's the second point. We're making our way fast. Actually, it's going to take a long time before we get to the last point. No one knows when. No one. Nineteen eighty-seven. Edgar Wisenant, I think is how you say his name. He wrote a book. Eighty-eight reasons Jesus is coming in eighty-eight. <laughs> they sent it to more than two hundred thousand pastors. Free. Sold more than four million copies. The printing company. They sold everything they had for a dollar. And when the day came, they were all on the roof waiting for Jesus to come. If someone publishes a book saying, here's when Jesus is coming, don't waste your money. Why? Because what's the one thing that's sure? God's Word. And His Word says, no one knows. Around that same time, 1988, Harold Camping had his first publication of a date, also 1988. His first prediction in May 1988, or I think it was May, came and went. And so then he had a new one, May 1994. He wrote a book, 1994, question mark. I think you can still get it on Amazon. I it would be wasting your money before 1994. <laughs> it's really wasting your money now. Um, well, May 1994 came and went. And so he had a new prediction, May 2011. And this one spent two years promoting it. Tracks, materials, translated into all sorts of different languages. One source has that he spent an estimated 5 to $10 million on billboards, uh, he, he's, he had a, a radio show, so he would, had all this donor money coming in. Here's a billboard. The Bible guarantees it, it says. <laughs> Judgment Day, May 21st, 2011. It's foolish to set a day. Right? The day comes and goes, and you're just going to look foolish. But what's worse than that? The Bible guarantees it. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You're a Christian. The world doesn't know anything other than the fact that you must be just telling me what the Bible says. And so not only do you look foolish, but the Bible, God's Word, the one thing that's sure, the one thing that has life, the one thing that's the hope for the people that are criticizing this, looks foolish and powerless. Don't try to set a date. As much as we want to, 
Don't try to set a date. The, and we just have to be careful with how, because we love to talk about what it might be. But as soon as we put any amount of confidence behind those words, as a Christian, as an ambassador of Christ, the one that, that those around us are depending on to have some knowledge of what God's word actually says, as soon as we put confidence of, here's what's going to happen. I'm acting as a prophet. I don't want to be a false prophet. I don't want to bring shame upon God's word or upon God himself. Anything we predict, if there's any kind of implication in what we say, that there is a divine element to it, then we are putting ourselves in the position of a prophet. We're saying this is going to happen, and the part of the reason why it's going to happen is because God, in some way or another. You guys remember 2012, Mayan calendar was finishing? How that was supposed to be a big thing? Well, well that's not God, that's Mayan calendar. What, what am I appealing to in that? That somehow there's a design that couldn't be a person. I'm appealing to a divine participant in it. And if I'm an ambassador of Christ, an, an ambassador of knowledge of God's word, and I give confident statements of here's what's going to happen, and, I've, and, I've, and my words are not phrased in such a way of, oh, that's interesting, it might have something, but I don't know. That's, one, that's a good way to put it. Be interested. But as soon as you express confidence, here's the billboard that followed. That was awkward. No one knows the day or the hour. I actually like that because it appeals to Scripture to say, no, that was not Scripture. That confidence was a misplaced confidence. God's Word is sure. And so if anyone tells you they know the day or the hour, and somebody says, well, then I know the month. It's a figure of speech. You don't know. Well, how, how close can we know? He actually told us with the, with the fig tree. When you see all these things, so if today some event happened, maybe, maybe with, with AI and Google and Elon Musk, they figure out a way to get every single tribe, nation, and tongue connected to the internet where they can find the gospel, the gospel's there. Everybody has the gospel. All right. How close do I know? Well, generations, 40 years, and this is a seven-year event approximately, and so I don't know if it's going to be in 30 minutes or 30 years. I still don't know, right? And God wants it that way. That's God's design, and, and we don't need to know, or we'll get into next week, how we should live in light of it. So he continues in verse 37. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. All right, in what respect? Uh, he said, look at, look at what was happening. But look at the days of Noah. This is how it's going to be when the Son of Man returns. And then he says, in what respect, it's going to be similar. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving, given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. He's not pointing out the evil, though it is going to be a time of evil in the world. Um, but he's pointing at normal life is going to be going on. There's actually not going to be anybody up on the roof. Right? But it's going to just be normal life. They're just having dinner, 
they're um, they're marrying, right? Until the day when Noah entered the ark. Now that had to have been pretty spectacular, Noah entering the ark. Um, you don't just go and round up every kind of animal. Um, God had a hand in that, and they'd been watching this giant boat getting built with no water. Um, and then this day comes when all of these animals enter the ark, and, and, then, and then how did that affect them? Um, and they were, continuing verse 39, unaware. It didn't affect them. They're still not aware of what's going on until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So we have a picture now of what it's going to be like when Jesus comes. People unaware. They don't know what's happening. It's going to be a complete surprise. And then there's two parts to this that coincide with the coming of Christ. So the coming of Christ is going to coincide with entering the ark and the flood coming. How much time happened between entering the ark and the flood coming? Let's go look at it. Genesis 7. The account of the flood. We're not going to get the whole account, but let's just get that part. Genesis 7, 7. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood of clean animals and of everything uh, and of animals that are not clean and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground two and two male and female went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah and after 7 days the waters of the flood came upon the earth one week he goes into the ark one week later the floods come when Jesus was describing the last days he pointed us back to Daniel and, and the prophecy in Daniel, which was the last week or week of years, the last seven years of Daniel's prophecy about Israel and Jerusalem. And then Jesus continued to show us that immediately following that week, uh, he described the coming of the Lord in judgment and wrath, Right? That, that coming of the Lord in judgment of wrath easily coincides with the flood, right? That's, it's uh, the, the wrath of God on the nations. And then that week of years easily coincides with the week of time while they were in the ark before the floods came. Well, what coincides with them going into the ark right before the week? Jesus continues in verse 40. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. None of them are on the roof. They're just doing life. There's, they're, un, they're not expecting anything. 
One is taken, one is left. That word for taken, if I, look, I looked it up in my Greek lexicon, says it means to take into close association, to take to oneself, to take with or along. In John chapter 14, we see the same word being used. Jesus' disciples are with him. He's starting to explain that he's going to leave. I'm in the wrong book there. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare, <clears throat> or if it not, were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and here's the word again, and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. Jesus is going to come back to get his bride, his people. The picture of entering the ark and the coming of the Lord ahead of the week is Jesus securing those who are his. So let's update our picture. We've got a week. We've been talking a lot about that week. The last week, it's about nation, uh, the nation of Israel and Jerusalem. But if we just look at the bigger picture, the return of Christ, the end of the age. We have what happens before the week and what happens after the week. After the week, we already talked about that. There's the 30 days and 45 days we find in Daniel. This is when Jesus says, after the great tribulation, and that time immediately following, you have the day of vengeance, the day of his return, the day of the wrath of God. But before, we have this entering the ark, which is the rapture of the church. I would expect it's right before. And it makes sense. If it's going to be as in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then right before we get into the seven years, His church. He's going to come get His church. And then the seven years is really not about the church. It's about Israel, isn't it? Turning the heart of Israel back to God. But it, what, we, what we saw especially from, from what Paul said in, in Romans, not only are we going to see Israel turn back to God, but Israel, who is the nation through whom God will bless all the nations of the world, there's going to be countless saints from every tribe, nation, and tongue also turning to the Lord in that time. And then we saw, also earlier in Matthew, when the Lord is coming, He's going to gather his hosts, his armies. And who are those that he's gathering? He's sending the angels out to gather the saints that he raptured at the beginning, his church, gathering them together to come with him on the day of battle. And then ultimately, the end of the 30 days and the 45 days, as Daniel, the end of Daniel describes, we enter into our inheritance to rest into the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. That's the rapture. There's a lot of different pictures 
ideas about when the rapture is going to happen. Church, we've just made our way through Matthew 24. And I've made a point to try to let go of every preconception I've learned growing up. And you might notice, if you've been in this for a while, this picture doesn't necessarily look like what you're going to find in a lot of books. This picture will pass away. What is the actual truth? It's what's in God's Word. The closer we can get to what God's Word says, the more sure we can be. I think we've followed the text. But read it for yourself. Go and see. Are these things so? Is this really what it's talking about? Because God's Word is sure. And what He says will happen, will happen. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I didn't, I got to do Bible drill this morning. I didn't give myself. The T's are all together. Timothy's and the Thessalonians. Oh, come on. Ah, there it is. I see it. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Maybe I should just read it off the screen. Here we go. Verse 15. See if this makes sense to you. For this we declare to you. And, and actually, just a preface to this. The Thessalonians were worried. They knew Jesus was coming back. And, and they actually had an expectation, which is very important for us as a church, that He could come back at any point. Right? It's... The return of Christ, the imminent return of Christ. And so they're like, well, what about our loved ones who have died? And the Bible says, gone to sleep. That's what it's talking about. Our loved ones who have died, and, and they've missed it. What about them when they're worried about the loved ones who have died and missed the coming of the Lord? It says, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, so it is sure, <laughs> that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. We're not actually going to precede. Tim, I just remembered. <laughs> Can I share? Okay. Well, I was there with Tim when Terry went to be with the Lord. Um, we had actually kind of been joking ahead of that, of just how Terry was first in everything. First at their job, she was a little bit older. She was first, first, first. And, and after she went to the Lord, I said, Tim, if Jesus comes back now, she's also going to be first. Because <laughs> she's the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will follow them. Right? Oh, I love it. We will not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will descend. Notice this is different. This isn't, when, when the day of the Lord comes, what happens? The Lord sends his angels out to gather his army. 
This is not God sending his angels out. This is the Lord himself coming for his bride. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel. <sighs> when I'm tired, I can't hold it together. Meditate on these things. There's glory in it. And with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. I don't know if we'll hear any of that on earth. This is him. Heaven is going to know it when the Son of God is heading out to go get his bride. I'm telling you that. It is going to be known. Now, it might, we might not hear that. It sounds like from our experience, just like, whoop, somebody's gone. What happened there? And, and the world isn't going to be any smarter because of it, because it says they're still going to be ignorant all the way up until when the wrath comes. Just like they were ignorant when Noah and all his family and all those animals went in, they still didn't get it. When Jesus comes for his bride, heaven is going to know. Then we are who are alive, we get to go to, I don't know. I hope he comes while I'm still alive. That'd be cool. <sighs> we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, we, I love these words, so we will be with, we'll always be with the Lord. Therefore, here's our commandment for this morning, church. Encourage one another with these words. Here's the last point in the notes. Be encouraged. Well, there's so many reasons that we get discouraged and we lose hope in this life. Our hope isn't in this world or in the things of this world. Our hope is in Him. And we're going to one day be in his presence. His word is sure. None of this stuff around us is sure. Heaven and earth is not sure. But his word will remain and we will see him one day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word, giving us guidance through your word so that we can know what to expect. We can be informed. That we, we can avoid being foolish. God, because you're teaching us, you're guiding us. Lord, I just pray that you help us to be a good testimony to those who don't know you. I pray for people here, even God, that don't know you yet, that you would just help them to see what's real. Help them to see you. Not the broken version of you that's in believers throughout the world, God, but that is a testimony. God, I pray that they would see through our faults and see the true Christ, the one that we hope in. Lord, help us to walk holy lives so that you're better seen. People can look at us and see a difference, see a difference in our attitudes, see a difference in our response, that we don't fear the future. And we don't fear what's coming up, that, that even if our lives are undone by circumstances, that, that we're not undone because our hope isn't in these things. Our hope is in you. So the people seeing us, God, would see you, see that you're real.
See that the hope is real. I can't wait, Lord Jesus, until we get to see you, to be in your presence forevermore. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. stars I hear the rolling thunder thy path throughout the universe displayed then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art and when I think that God his son not sparing sent him to die I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art when christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home with joy shall fill my heart In humble adoration, then there proclaim, my God, I pray thou
Then sings my soul. Amen. I can't wait. <laughs> I just can't wait. But in the meantime, we already know what we're supposed to be doing. Following our Lord, faithful, ready, that when He comes, we can give an account for ourselves. Let's go do that. I love you, church. Go in the Lord.